This edition of Farming the Countryside is brought to you by Pivot BioProven 40 OS, the nitrogen you need now on seed. Learn more at pivotbio.com. Welcome to Farming the Countryside. I'm Andrew McRae. Many of us are a part of a family that is involved in agriculture, but how much land would you need to support several family members? Maybe it doesn't have to be tied to the number of acres, but rather how you decide to position your business. I'll take you to meet a farm family who made it work well. The lessons they learned can be helpful to all of us. It's our topic for this week's Farming the Countryside, brought to you by Pivot Bio. Farmers have faced many challenges regarding nitrogen needs for their corn crop in recent years, including global fertilizer shortages, higher nitrogen prices, and delayed plantings. The past few seasons, I've used Pivot BioProven 40 to provide my crops with nitrogen when they need it, no matter the weather. Now that predictability is available right on the corn seed. Pivot BioProven 40 on seed gives growers even more flexibility with their nitrogen plan. Pivot Bio products contain naturally occurring microbes that fix nitrogen from the air and provide it directly to corn plants all season long. These microbes can replace up to 40 pounds of synthetic nitrogen fertilizer. I hope you learn more. Just contact your local sales rep or go to pivotbio.com. Dave Hemme has been farming for most of his life near Sweet Springs, Missouri, but the type of farming he does has changed over the years. The story of their family and their ag operation is one that holds a lot of lessons for all of us in agriculture. There's certainly the story of bringing additional family members into the business without adding acres. There's also much to be learned about how to do what we do in a better way. I think you'll enjoy what David has to share from the Hemme Brothers Creamery. So, David, take me back to maybe when you were growing up. I have a feeling that the farm that you grew up on is not what you are doing now. How, how did this all occur? Well, the farm that I grew up in was a row crop, hogs, and beef cattle. And uh, I lived through the, uh, well, I graduated from high school in 76, so I lived through the 80s. And, uh, you know, you, at that time, row crops, you were living off of LDPs. And it was it was depressing. There was just no money in row crops whatsoever. Uh, we we went ahead and did 100% uh, feral to finish hogs, and then uh, corporate America decided they wanted it, and they took it, and so we saw that coming. And then we started uh, as a grass-based dairy, and then after uh, a while of fighting the mud, then kids came started coming home and. And we, uh, we did what we're doing now. So most people are getting out of dairy. What influences you to get into dairy? Well, we had uh, five kids, four sons and a daughter. Uh, we were sitting there. We, we were fortunate enough that we bought a farm at the end of the farm crisis. Basically, after interest rates had came down, um, and it, it actually cash flowed at that time. Uh, it was one of the rare times that land actually would cash flow. So we were looking at that as a resource base, 180 acres, where you can't row crop and bring anybody back. So we started a grass-based area through uh, the folks up at Linnaeus at, uh, at the grazing center up there, and through Jim Garrish and, and the like, we started a grass-based dairy. That, with our soil types, 
and running a 12-hour grazing window doesn't work because of mud. I mean, we're sitting on the, the best hill ground in the state of Missouri, uh, probably four foot of black dirt, and, but that turns into eight foot of mud. And dairy doesn't work real well with that. So we, we, then we had to change again. We always had to adapt. So talk about then what changes did you have to make then to make that work? Well, and we still graze. But the only thing is, it's going to be more selective. Uh, we did put up a um, uh, cow housing. We used our, uh, our facility as far as milking. And then we grazed whenever it was, whenever we had grass and it wasn't winter, it wasn't drought. And uh, so, you know, we had to build in some flexibility. Uh, then, of course, when the sons, uh, my wife here, Janet, she, she told me for years, you're running them off the farm. No kids will come back working this hard. And I'll be doggone. Here, here they start coming back. And then we had to make a decision. Well, this is our base. So uh, organic didn't look very good to us. Um, there wasn't another option as far as another milk cooperative to sell to. Organic didn't look good because we kept looking at the grocery store and Chateau milk was being sold at the same price as organic milk in the Kansas City metro stores. And we'd look at that and say, we use the same nutritionist that Leroy Chateau uses. But he's going directly to the consumer and he's doing a great job with with touching those consumers with his marketing maybe that would be the better alternative and the more we looked into it uh, we don't do fluid milk but we decided to go in to an artisan cheese and um, we've been at it now for six years it would never go back absolutely Our, our philosophy is pretty simple is that American agriculture hasn't been bothered lately in regards to having uh, foreign markets pulled out from underneath of us. But uh, you're trusting the Chinese and the North Koreans and the, the Middle Easterns and Putin to behave to where you can move your products overseas to get rid of your excess. Now, as soon as one of those or our own politicians decide to get all upset, and the first thing you know, exports drop, and then we have a, a tremendous issue in, in regards to how are you going to make cash flow. So we look at it is where we sit, right on I-70. We have the Kansas City Metro. We have Columbia. We have the St. Louis Metro. We take care of our people. We build our brand and we believe that if we take care of our people, then our people will take care of us. Mm-hmm. And so we spend a lot of time in brand building. You have to have a quality product, but uh, the face with the food is huge. When you started the dairy then, it was just fluid milk, but you made this decision. Was it with your sons coming back and, and then seeing the marketing opportunities? Is that what made the change then? That made the change. If, if our sons would have used their degrees and went off and worked for corporate America, my wife and I would have a much easier life than what we have today. Make no mistake. I, I would be uh, probably running around, uh, you know, probably no-telling some ground, uh, having the, uh, the chemicals uh, applied, uh, you know, from the elevator in town, uh, probably even having the, the, 
a custom harvesting done, and I'll be just taking care of some beef cows. And you know what? Life would be pretty doggone easy. But no, we can't do this. So now I'm, I've uh, kicked me off my farm, and I'm running up and down the road in my van uh, selling and delivering cheese all, all the time. And, uh, and I don't know why I keep doing it. I'm 65 years old. I don't have a 20-year plan. But I can't quit, so I don't know what's wrong with me. <laughs> well, is it something, though, that I guess you enjoy going up and down the road selling cheese and developing markets? It was totally different than anything you'd done to that point, wasn't it? Well, it's the challenge. I, 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 I'm challenge-driven. I'm goal-oriented, and so I set up goals. This is what I want to accomplish, and if I can't do that, I'm not happy, and I'm going to find a way to do it, and that's how... Uh, even at 65, I'll, I'll never change. I need, to, I need to have that that challenge ahead of me every day. So for some farmers, it wouldn't work because if you don't have that mentality of wanting to go out there and do that, that doesn't mean that they're bad farmers. It just worked for your personality. Oh, absolutely, and that's key. And the other uh, personality traits you had up there, uh, I found out early on I don't have them. And so like, like what I'm wearing today, the, the branding, all that, we spend a lot of money because we found out when we tried to do it ourselves, it looked like a crazed fourth grader did it. It was awful. And you can't go out there uh, to, to put this in high V with, with some really awful uh, looking uh, colors and, and the, the design was, was pathetic. And, and so... Just swallow your pride. You can't do everything well. Do what you can do well, but then hire somebody else that'll knock it out of the park. I guess, though, while you're doing all this, even though you're going to have to spend to help people help with this, it must have still worked out, penciled out. It was profitable to do this and go down this route. Don't start it without a banker that is behind you 100%. Uh, Our banker right up front said, uh, you know, y'all can make payments, whatever you want. We're going to put you on interest only for three years. Now, we went ahead and made payments, but we had the luxury of our banker having our back. I don't care what kind of margin he gets for the rest of my life. He's my banker. Because when I needed him, he was there when others weren't. What Talk about the family dynamics. Did you have to sit down with your boys and say, hey, this is how we're going to divide it up? Did they all come back at the same time, or how did that puzzle fit together? Uh, John and Nathan came back at the same time. They were both in college. And, uh, and we, we set up an LLC. Then Michael came back uh, when he graduated, and he, he basically worked his way in, he sweat equity. And uh, so he, he, each of those have a 20% ownership. And then our youngest son, Aaron, came back six years ago, and they were going, he was going to purchase half of Janet and I. And uh, we were working towards that. Uh, the problem is, is that his wife is, uh, an, is a medical doctor. Uh, her demands on her time are extremely high. They have two kids, and dairy farming with him and with her being a medical doctor the lifestyle was awful. And so he has decided as of the 1st of January that uh, 1st of July, this is nothing personal. It's, I mean, he's going to miss the farm, but he's going to find something else to do. And, uh, and we're supportive of that because the worst thing he can do is be miserable and or not be there for his family. 
and so we support that. And uh, but I tell you what, it has thrown a monkey wrench in everything because you know at this juncture in our society, labor shortages are awful. And if you have a dairy farm, so we are we're taking very serious looks at, at robotics. I was going to ask that. So how do you meet the labor demands? Robotics. Well, you you get up and you do it. And, and but you know we're looking at the the, the cost and, and we're trying to we're probably going to be doing more um, agritourism and the reason being is is that uh, we need the cash flow the the robotics will give us more milk and will cut our costs but not it will not cover the facility and so we're going to have to pay for it somehow and we don't want to take money away from something else to do it. So we're probably going to be introducing agritourism, which kind of fits into our theme anyway of building the brand. They can come out and, you know, we don't have anybody come out to see us milk cows. We have plenty of people to ask, and they say, well, what time is it? I said, five and five. Pick your five. And they look and say, uh, all of a sudden it's not that important anymore to, to see us milk cows. <laughs> and, and so, but, but with robotics, it's a voluntary milking system. And they can do that, and we can incorporate a grazing system with the uh, with the uh, robotics. Talk about the grazing system. That's a pretty important piece of what you do. I know more for heifers than than the cows. Okay, uh, the heifers we've been doing that for a number of years, and uh, you know, Josh he had his uh, speech here a little bit earlier today, and talking about beef cattle, and that's where we're probably going to be going with beef cattle on some of these other farms away from the dairy. And because we look at the beef cattle on a row crop farm as being a wonderful way to double crop. You know, that doesn't have to be wheat followed by, by soybeans. We can, through, the, through October through April, we, we can be grazing uh, these acres and, and pulling the beef cattle off. And we can... Uh, get value from that and that'll be another revenue stream you know just like with uh, you know we, we have berkshire fed pigs we take the way from our cheese production we feed it to berkshires and then we make charcuterie you know we're always looking for another revenue stream well and we should mention we focused on the dairy but you're doing quite a bit on this farm you've got the row crops you've got other livestock there are several income streams there right well it, uh, back in the day my wife and i Hundred uh, percent pork production, which was great when it works. Uh, I would argue with, uh, let's see, who, who was the old philosopher? Put all your eggs in one basket, and then watch that basket. I would differ with <laughs> with his philosophy, but um, because sometimes that basket just you're, it's, it's not the best thing to do. Diversity is a wonderful thing. So you're out there marketing. Can you keep up with demand right now, or do you have more demand than you can deal with right now? We we take a very, like my son Nathan says, we don't have to, um, you know, take all of our milk into cheese because DFA balances our milk for us, which is a nice way to say it. Whatever we don't put into cheese, DFA picks up. And the reason we can do that is that we do not compete with DFA. DFA is commodity. We are artisan. We're not out here competing with uh, craft. 
or, or Highland or anybody else in their in their uh, umbrella of companies. So um, so we don't have to. So we we're very selective in what we do. Uh, COVID changed our attitude. It turned us upside down. We we were doing more in food service during COVID. Food service went to zero. Uh, COVID caused us to open the valve on our tank because of supply chain issues. People don't re- remember that. I, they weren't the one opening the tank and watched two days worth of milk go down the drain. And so we've we have decided. Let's take a more serious look at retail and e-commerce. And uh, not that food service is bad, but let's even diversify the avenues that we're going to be selling our cheese. Mm-hmm. And so we uh, got a uh, Masbida grant, and we have uh, a plans. Uh, we were going to start building our retail store right on I-70 because we own a farm on the I-70 except for the fact that uh, interest rates have went up 5%. And um, so we're, we're just hanging back. Yeah. I, I've li- I mean, like I said, I've lived through the 80s. And uh, it's just like my grandfather lived through the Great Depression. And, and so he, you get a little bit cautious when you've seen hell, and you just want to avoid it at all costs. Now, I don't think it's going to be a Great Depression. And I don't think it'll, it'll be a farm crisis. But we do want to be prudent because we you never know mm-hmm. and, and so uh, this year we're just going to be working on improving our balance sheet and then but uh, then we'll have an opportunity later to work on the retail how do you make your product stand out and how do you get consumers then to want to find it and buy it I tell you, you cannot i can't say enough about a put put great packaging on there okay. you that uh, eight, women still buy 85 percent of the food and and so it's an eye thing. Uh, she'll pick that up in her hand. You got a chance, and then it has to be a great product. Just we've hired consultants. We we are not going to beat ourselves up. We don't we don't know a lot about cheese making, but we know how to hire people that do. They come in, they educate us. We make great products, and we won't sell it if it's not. And then the the most important thing. Since COVID, and that's changed the world, in our world, is you have to understand your consumer. Your consumer wants you. Then they want to see that face. That, that they want, and that's why we're looking at retail and agritourism. Once we get that, and we can tell them our story about uh, carbon sequestration, how we take the crops, and we turn that crop into milk, we turn that milk into an, a great artisan cheese, then we take the whey and we feed it to Berkshire pigs, and we have charcuterie, and then we have the honey, the pollinators, and then we turn that into uh, an ingredient in our cheeses. And these beef cattle, and, and goes on and on, and we have this circle of uh, almost a, an ecosystem of our own, and we're missing one part that makes it all happen, and that's the consumer. And that's when they come in, and then they can feel that they're a part of what we're doing, and then they'll take ownership. Right. What do you tell people that are perhaps thinking about, and it doesn't have to be dairy, but any phase of agriculture and say, hey, I would like to do more direct-to-consumer, the farm-to-fork type of thing. I'm sure you would have several things that you would tell them that this is what I've learned and this is what to do and not do. Well, the, the first thing is is to understand you probably don't even know 
the right questions to ask. We didn't. We, we went in with a preconceived notion, and like I said, we weren't even right in the, asking the right questions. Uh, but we went slow. Uh, we didn't have to do it. If you need to do this to make ends meet, don't do it. I mean, just back off, do something else, go, or go really slow and, um, and until you can really understand it. You know, there's a produce guy that was at Columbia Farmer's Market, and he quit his job, and he wanted to be an organic produce guy. And then it got wet, and then it got dry, and then the bugs came. And then he wound up, and he, he did get by with a GoFundMe page. Well, come second year, and same kind of disasters came, nobody's standing there with a GoFundMe page anymore. And so he should have kept his job, went slow, and figured out that, you know, all the intricacies of an organic produce. And and then slowly worked into it. Then you have a shot at success because, like I say, you're you're going to get beat up. I mean, uh, nobody in this business is sitting there saying, you know, hey, I, 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 when I started, I had all the answers. You don't. You don't, you don't, like I said, you don't even know what questions to ask. Well, how do you figure out what questions to ask? Is it usually hiring an outside person to come in? Is that well, what it is? That, that will, I mean, it's hard. You know, like a, like a, a cheesemaker consultant. When they come in, it's $5,000 a day. I should have been a consultant. <laughs> My life would have been a whole lot easier if I'd just been a consultant. I could have worked like 15, 20 days a well, year. That's, that's all I need. <laughs> yeah, I can just do that. But, uh, no, but hire good people. Uh, if you don't know what, what we had a, a good friend of ours is an artisan cheesemaker in southeast Iowa, uh, Rufus Muser of Milton Creamery. And he said, We've hired consultants for everything we've done. We've, they've set up our business model. They, they put together the forms that people put together. And uh, every, every aspect of the business, they've had a consultant come in to help them because they were going to do it the right way. just kind of depends on are you going to do it the right way day one or is it going to take you five years of struggles to figure out what the right way is. And uh, just bite the bullet and go ahead. What advice do you have for people thinking about bringing that younger generation back in, regardless if it's dairy or whatever it is? What lessons have you learned on bringing those, those, that younger generation back to the farm? Uh, it, uh, our daughter-in-laws, uh, of the, of the three oldest, and, and, and or, uh, basically all four of our sons' wives, they thought they knew what dairy was. They didn't have a clue. I mean, uh, you know, and it's not, they're wonderful. We have wonderful daughter-in-laws but the, but the demand for time you know it's just like my wife said uh, for years she said you know I wish I had 150 mistresses like you do because that's what it is I mean you got the cows and then she always felt that she was just one step under a cow and uh, and so you better get it right with your spouse uh, that, that would be the main thing because it, the demands are so high to wind up, how do people find your product, but also find you because they may want to learn more whether they live local or far away? Uh, the best way is is go ahead to hemibrothers.com. And uh, if, if they want our, any of our products, they're available online. And uh, right there it says contact us. And every email will either go to me personally or my son Nathan. And it will, because every email goes to both of us. And so... Uh, 
we sit there, and that's what I, that's a big part of my job now is, is replying to emails, and uh, and it can be a little thing like uh, you know uh, nutritional information or, or where, where do you sell in Chesterfield, uh, little things. But that's okay. I mean emails because because we want to be personal. I mean that's our name, that's our company. We we want to take care of our people. Sounds like you're enjoying it though. Actually, I, I actually I do enjoy it. You know what my kids told me said when we started this, they said, "You know, Dad, your your working days are over. You're pretty much shot, but you can still run your mouth." <laughs> so they put me in a little cheese buggy and they sent me down the road. <laughs> well, I guess that works. Then. It, it works for us. Yeah. <laughs> Greg, well, I appreciate the time. Well, that's no problem. I enjoy uh, visiting with you. Thanks for listening to this week's show. Remember, you can go back and hear past shows in a variety of ways at farmingthecountryside.com or on many podcast platforms. We always try to have guests with a variety of information, and I hope you'll find some of those archives helpful. I appreciate you joining me. I'm Andrew McRae. I'll catch you next time on Farming the Countryside. This edition of Farming the Countryside has been brought to you by Pivot BioProven 40 OS, the nitrogen you need now on seed. Learn more at pivotbio.com.